Welcome to the LifeCast. We hope that you find this ministry of New Life Assembly of God as an encouragement to you. You will hear messages and lessons in God's Word by our staff and special guests. Enjoy the podcast. Somebody asked me if I was going to wear my white suit next Sunday, and I said, boy, I'd love to, but you know it shrunk. <laughs> so... I just got to wear white pants and, you know, a sport jacket or something. I could do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so being Palm Sunday and next Sunday being Easter, Good Friday is this coming Friday. Now, I want you to know that we are going to do a live stream service on Good Friday at noon. Noon. On live, uh, a live stream on the website or our YouTube channel. And so this Friday, tune in. You'll see a reminder and announcement come up on the webpage and through our Facebook page. And uh, Good Friday, we'll have a noon service. And normally we would celebrate communion together. But if you are able this week, if you are able to get some grape juice or uh, some drink juice, uh, fruit of the vine, okay? Not orange juice, but grape. And um, if you can get uh, your hands on some unleavened bread or if it's bread that, you know, maybe somebody in your home tried to make and didn't turn out and it's about five pounds, that might do. You know, break a piece off, whatever it is. If you don't have that, on this occasion, we want to honor the Lord and on, on uh, Good Friday. And if you're able to set up communion wherever you're going to be or at home for that Good Friday service, that we can at least take communion together. And if you're not able to do that, it is okay. We still want you to come and be a f- part of the Good Friday um, service and celebration of the Lord and honoring Him, remembering Him and His words and what He's done and purchasing our salvation. And so um, if you can do that from home on uh, Good Friday and be prepared uh, just, you know, prior to uh, us going um, live, uh, we want to encourage you to be a part of a communion service that we celebrate together. Um, As always, uh, the common phrase is, you know, things are so different these days in relationship and taking initiative to call people and message people and talk to people more. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that. I want to tell you a really great story. And there's a man in our church who works in an IT department for a, a company, for a business. And he, uh, he, had, he noticed he had, I don't know, a handful of iPads um, that, that were there. And he has a, him and his family have relationship with, now don't be offended by this when I say this, this individual. She's an older lady of this church, been a part of this church for a long, long time, great family heritage, wonderful woman of faith. And uh, she sits way back there in the last row on the inside aisle, and um, uh, her name is Becky Schaefer. And by the way, Becky, I'm saying hello to you in front of everybody. Um, This is a great story. So this man in our church, Chad, he took an iPad. He swiped everything off it because Becky is missing all of you so very much in her home church and this worship team who she loves. And uh, 
She just misses the fellowship so much. She lives on her own. Her adult children said, don't you go anywhere. Don't let anybody in. You know, all the, you know, be careful in this day and age. And she's uh, abiding by the rules. But uh, her daughter gave permission and was a part of setting this up. This man in our church swept clean this iPad for her to borrow. And he put one icon as she opens that iPad up, it automatically turns on. One icon comes up because she's, she's even less technological than me, believe it or not. And I uh, didn't think that was possible. But, and all she has to do is touch that icon and Sparta New Life comes up. And she's able to live stream this morning for the first time uh, since we've been doing this the last few weeks. And I just want to tell Chad, thanks for having a heart for somebody, taking the initiative, coordinating this, setting this up for Becky, that she can enjoy um, her church. And not only that, because I have an iPhone, I could FaceTime her the other day and made sure it worked and said hello. And I want you to know, Becky, you look as beautiful during the week as you do on Sundays. And... uh, It's those kind of things, those initiatives that we need to be taking to stay in fellowship and stay connected to people. I want to encourage you to get creative or do it to, you know, just pay attention. Take some initiative to call somebody and contact somebody. These days are so important for the church to be praying, continuing to grow, uh, sharing the light of Christ in whatever way we can with people, and care for the church body and body of believers. Don't just wait for someone to call you. Call somebody. Contact somebody. And so I just wanted to share that little story this morning. It is so exciting that uh, Becky is tuned in this morning and was able to worship along with us and to watch some of her favorite people up here on the worship team. And so, uh, God bless you, Chad. God bless you, Becky. So on this Palm Sunday, I want to start with a scripture from the Old Testament. Old Testament prophet, Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. He prophesies about the coming King, the Christ, the Messiah, and this is what he wrote. What he said. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It's a prophecy about the coming of Christ. And now we're going to read it. It's in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. We're going to read from Matthew this, what we call the triumphal entry. The triumphal entry of Christ coming in to this week, the Holy Week, coming into Passover. And where he is going to celebrate Passover with his disciples. Where we see communion birthed and... We're going to, you know, you'll be able to read through this week in in your um, Bible and the suffering and the trial of Jesus and what he went through ultimately to go to the cross and give his life up and spill his blood for the forgiveness of my sin, your sin, ours. And so I want us to look at this, what we call Palm Sunday, the start of this Holy Week. 
And it's, uh, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, and just want to highlight a few things after we read it. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and he will send them at once with you. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Zechariah, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went, did, it, did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their outer garments. And he sat on those outer garments, on this donkey. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks. Now he's traveling along, making his way from where he sat upon the donkey that was covered in the outer garments of his disciples. And he begins to make his way up the road towards the east gate of Jerusalem. And the east gate was the oldest of the gates into Jerusalem. It was kind of the main thoroughfare into the city. It was the one that seemed to be most traveled and had history on its side. And so they're on this road, and as they travel along, this is what begins to happen. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks or their outer garments on the road. Others cut branches. Many of them were palm branches from the trees. And they spread them on the road. These garments and these branches and palm branches. They spread them on the road and the crowds that went before Jesus and the ones that were following behind him were shouting. Shouting with praise and acclamation. Not I mean they were just talking to one another. They were letting it rip. They were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? So get the imagery of what's going on. He's coming into the city. There's crowds of people in front of him, after him, shouting, Hosanna in the highest. And as they go into the city, some aren't joining in. It's stirred up. Some who heard about Jesus, some who maybe never met him or didn't know about him, and they're coming in and they're saying, who is this? Because not, this was not an everyday occurrence. They've maybe seen things similar to this before in the way that the, their kings were treated or the kings in history, they used to do something similar like this for their kings. And they're wanting to know, who's this? Who is this? He's being treated like a king. He's followed by a crowd who believe and who are shouting. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee. 
I want to highlight a couple of things. First of all, it's interesting that he rode on a donkey. You know, we, we might think, this, you know, for those of us who believe in Jesus, this is Jesus. We want to see Jesus, you know, on the horse and on his thigh, written King of Kings, Lord of Lords, like we read about in Revelation. This is Jesus. He's the conquering one. And well, we'll we will see him when he's ready for Armageddon and he is going to war. Because that's what kings did when they were going to war, is they were on horses. An interesting thing about the donkey, the donkey has been developed in that time and through history for them as an animal of peace. Horses for war, a donkey is for peace. So here's Jesus riding in on this donkey. See, in history, they, the people, biblical history in that area and region, you know, they understood this. You know, many times a king would come to another kingdom and ride on a donkey, or they would send a messenger on a donkey or some ambassador who was ready to sign a treaty of peace. In other words, as that city looked out and had watchmen, who's coming? Is it an army coming? Is it somebody coming with some others on a horse? A sign that they're coming with aggression and they're coming to wage war? Or are they coming on a donkey? You see, on their way to a treaty, they would give a signal of peace that they're coming and prepared to make peace with you. So here's Jesus on this donkey coming into Jerusalem ready to sign a peace treaty in his own blood to make peace between God and man. You see Romans, you know, it, uh, Paul writes that the carnal mind of man is at enmity with God. An enemy of God, our ways, our thinking, our will, enemies, sinfulness. And through Christ's coming and ready to sign this treaty in his own blood on the cross, he is going to bring peace between God and man. That's why he rode a donkey. It was, I'm coming in peace and going to make peace so that man's mind through faith in Him, can become submitted and in submission to God's will, God's way, God's purpose. Jesus came to make peace between God and me. He came to make things right, to restore a relationship. And so that's one of the reasons that He came. Now, the other thing you noticed is they were throwing down cloaks, their outer garments. The disciples took him and set him on the, the donkey, and Jesus began to ride, and as he went along, it says that people took their outer garments, their cloaks, and they began to throw them down on the road and on the side of the road. And I want you to know that this was done in biblical history and with other kings uh, you know, of Israel when they were named king, or they would come in as a conquering hero over you know, um, another land or people group, and they would bring in their king the, 
the other that they conquered, that king that lost and was conquered, they would bring him in at the trail. And, and I want you to know that people would come and they would take off their outer garments and they would put down their garments on the side of the road and within the city as they make this parade. And it was a sign from people of the kingdom that they would say, I am submitted to the authority of my king. So Jesus is making his way in. And there are people who believed in him and were calling out to Hosanna, which translates to help us, deliver us, rescue us. Hosanna. So this shout of praise was also a shout of prayer. Hosanna in the highest. Save us to the utmost. We believe in you. Salvation belongs to our God. Jesus, you are the King. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. I am submitting myself by throwing a cloak, my cloak, my outer garment. It was a sign that I will live in submission to your kingship and to your authority. So here's Jesus traveling along, bringing peace between God and man. And people believed and they hoped and said, I will place my allegiance, my submission to this king. Would you and I throw down our cloak? Would we say today that we will submit to the Lord his way? He's brought us peace. Would you think about that today and in the days to come and when we review our life and am I really submitted to the Lord? I want you to think back. If I were on that road, would I have been one who took off my garment and laid it on the side of the road as Jesus passed? We have a choice to do that. It's a heart decision. We don't physically take our cloak, but we should lay down our authority in who we are, who we think we are, and submit ourselves to the authority of this King who brings peace, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. The other thing that they did is they cut branches, it says, and they began to throw them down. And uh, one of the Gospels, it, it designates that they were palm branches, but there were other branches that people put down. Um, but certainly the palm branch is highlighted because the palm branch... Um, is something that they waved and threw down before their conquering kings. They also took palms and waved them in the Colosseum and other places where there were sporting events, and that they waved these and shouted praise to the conquering athletes. In biblical history and biblical custom, they would even sometimes make a crown of palm and place it upon the victor's head. And so these branches and these palm branches were signifying that you are victorious. King of kings, Jesus, one who rides on this donkey, deliverer, Hosanna in the highest, we wave these palms, we cut these branches and lay them down to say that you are victorious. We believe in you. We trust you. They shouted, Hosanna, save us and rescue us. And they went through these expressions of submission and worship with hope. 
with hope for a future because they needed a Messiah. And they were living under Roman rule. They didn't want to live under Roman rule. They wanted to have total freedom to be the people of God. And they had another government reigning over them as they tried to live life and carry on and had some liberties to carry on their traditions. But they still had to pay tax to Caesar and Roman rule. So as they cut these palms and branches, I want you to know that that wasn't a customary thing at that time or during that, that week of, of coming into Passover. These were actually signs and symbols and expressions, cutting branches and throwing them down. That was actually another feast that they had that was in, in the time of autumn. In the fall when it was kind of a harvest time. They had a festival for seven days. It was called, there's different phrases, but basically it's a festival of booths. What would happen is they would go and they would set up temporary shelters or a little lean-to. And they would set them up and they would eat in them. And uh, they would cover them in palm branches. They would cover them in branches that had fruit on them. Uh, it was a time of harvest, a time of celebration. And what it was is it was a remembering. You see, these lean-tos, it was causing people to remember that what their, where their heritage came from, what the people before them went through, that they were delivered out of slavery in Egypt. And that God was going to you know, lead them. And they began to wander through the wilderness. And they lived in temporary housings and shelters and, and lean-tos and tents. Till God brought them through and fulfilled his promise of a promising and prosperous land flowing with milk and honey. And so in the fall, they would have this festival, this feast, for seven days. And they would build these shelters as temporary shelters to remember where they, their people came from and what God brought them through and in the palm branches and other branches with fruit on them. It spoke that God delivered his promise and we rejoice and God is faithful and we give him thanks because we prospered. We're no longer in slavery. So the cutting of these branches was actually designated to a specific feast. And here we see the cutting of these branches being used at a different time. The significance, part of that significance was not only you're the victor, but you are bringing us a time of prosperity. Now some of them thought that he was going to make a governmental change. Not every one of them grasped that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to lay down his life. They thought he was going to bring a new reign and government and bring prosperity. They didn't see what Jesus was doing to bring prosperity for all people for all time and a freedom from sin, a freedom from slavery, not just from Egypt, but the taskmaster of our sins that we pay for, that we are in bondage to that Jesus was coming to shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins that you and I can go free. So here is this Palm Sunday and all of these expressions of worship and 
all of these things that we read about and we just maybe think is nifty, but there's significance behind all of these expressions and this experience that we get to read about that they, that they are doing, that there was purpose in it. You see, some, they would go through the Passover and they would go through feasts, always remembering the past, carrying out tradition of the past to teach it to the next generation the truth of God and what God did in the past. And I want you to know that's important for every one of us. To recognize what God has done in the past before our lifetime, what He has done in our past. But I want you to know that if we just stay stuck in remembering the past, we will never be the ones who shout Hosanna. We will never be the ones that throw down our cloak. We'll never be the ones that raise the palms. And we certainly won't be the ones who shout Hosanna in the highest. God save us. You see, they remember the past, but that the past and what God has done has a purpose to give us a future. You see, if we just come to church or watch online and we just hear this about the past, we've missed the point. That past is to lead us to the point that gives us hope for a future. You see, that's why Jesus came, that we wouldn't be stuck in our past in just what God used to do, or stuck in our own slavery, our own grind, our own human thinking, that we wouldn't be stuck with just remembering what God used to do. The point of that, Jesus honored the past, but he came so that they could also have a future. I'm going to close with this verse. It's one that you know. It's in Jeremiah. It's 29, verse 11. You, you know this verse, many of you. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. See, that's the point of all that Jesus went through and what he was doing. He was honoring the past. The people around him in Jerusalem were honoring the past who were Jewish. But Jesus was coming that they wouldn't be stuck in just remembering. But they would see that there's a new deliverance from the slavery of sin. That he would give us hope. He'd give us a future. He'd give you a hope. He'd give you a future. He would prosper you from being a slave to being one who follows Christ, one who is saved, one who's crying out, Hosanna, or save us, deliver us, salvation belongs to God, that that cry of hope would be satisfied in Christ. That's why it's a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It wasn't just about the past. He was bringing to you and I a future, a promise fulfilled, a new promised land, 
of eternity because of faith in Him. I don't know what's in your past, and I don't know what from your past still has a hold on you or a grip on you, what uh, lingering talons of slavery still have their hooks in you. But I want you to know that in the name of Jesus Christ and through your faith in Him and your walking after Christ in sincere faith, because of His blood, the curse of that bondage has been broken. If you and I choose to walk in this newness of life that He promised and is fulfilled to give us a hope and a future. Thanks for joining us on the LifeCast. It is a ministry of New Life Assembly of God in Sparta, Wisconsin. If you are ever in the area, we would enjoy the opportunity of meeting you. Until then, remember, God is for you, not against you.